Hello, everybody. Welcome yeah. to... <laughs> that was the start, Anton. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Yeah. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Threepcast, episode four. I'm Elliot. I'm Phil. And I'm Anton. And on yeah. today's episode, we are going to be discussing Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis. We will also be finding out uh, how everybody's weeks went. We're going to do some E3 news. And we've got a new segment on the show that's currently a surprise. Oh Stay tuned. <gasps> the gas. Yeah. So um, let's start off by finding out how everybody's week went. Uh, okay. Phil, would you like to start? Yes, I would like to start. Now, a fun story. This is actually our second attempt at recording this podcast. Oh, right. Yeah. And this, will, this will be a nice segue into how my week has been going. <laughs> Basically... <laughs> <laughs> this is version um, 2.0 of the podcast. Version 2.0, yes. I've had time to condense my anger. Basically, <laughs> uh, a couple of days back, a power line went out near our house, and they had a bunch of boneheads out trying to fix it and whatnot. But it's been like a week now, and ever since, <laughs> our internet has been the worst it has ever been in a long time. Like, for every five minutes you can do use the internet... It'll go out for, like, the next five minutes. It's, it's so annoying. So we were recording uh, yesterday, and <laughs> sure enough, we lose power. Or, not power, we lose the internet. And, yeah. We got about ten awful. minutes into the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, we were just getting into E3 news, and then all of a sudden, uh, everybody disappeared off of Skype. It's, it's, it's a fun time at the Ridgeway household. It's a fun time. So, how, so now how am I supposed to league with this kind of internets? Yeah, I know. Exactly. My my League of Legends, I'm up for promotions for Silver 1, just for anyone who's interested. So, yeah, I, I really want the internet to come back so I can become gold sooner. But yeah, cool. that's my week. Then they'll send him a gold-plated bust of his head in the mail, yes. I think. Because the, Le- I'm good at League of Legends. That's what I heard. If you get gold, they send you a gold-plated bust of your head. Um, Phil, can you uh, retell your uh, your Fiddler on the Roof story from last night? Oh, oh gosh. Um, no, basically, in addition to this, uh, I've been doing a lot of volunteer stuff. And one of those activities is every summer I help out at the uh, local community theater. And I don't know what it is. It's just like... Mm. <laughs> the clientele of the Act 1 have gotten very... Immature as of late. Let's put it that way. More all so the older usual. kids left. Yeah, all, pretty much all the older kids left. So just me and one other person. But anyway, I was always so incredibly. Re- I was always so incredibly responsible when I was at the Act oh, One. Yeah. Just yes, so we're yes, clear. I think Alex totally counts. Alex totally counts. Alex is a bro. Alex is a bro. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I did forget about Alex. So yeah, basically it's yeah three, three older kids and then there are a bunch of little kids screaming. Um, so <laughs> Friday was. It was said on the little sheet that it was not a mandatory practice. So this means that all of the major characters did not show up for Friday's <laughs> cat or Friday's rehearsal. For so sure. it was pretty abysmal. I was like the I and Alex were the only older kids there trying to corral twenty kids into being quiet and behaving. Yeah, it was <sighs> Okay, somehow it takes ten kids, three hammers, and two screwdrivers to take nails out of a board of wood. I do not <laughs> <laughs> understand this it takes them like over two hours two hours of constant hammering while we're trying to rehearse it, 
It was the most frustrating experience I've had in a long time. But what about the cell phone story? That's what I was trying to get to. Oh, okay, fine, fine. So, this, this wasn't just Friday, but this is oh, no. this kind of encapsulate how this play is going. Basically, kid loses his cell phone backstage. He's wanting to go back and get it because he wasn't supposed to be backstage. So we're like, no, stay out there. So we go back, find another kid backstage has stolen it. We tell, tell him off. We grab the cell phone. We go looking for him. We can't find him. And then it turns out he sneaked out, sneaked behind us and went backstage and found the kid that stole his phone and was like, give it back. And he's like, I don't have it. And so three minutes later, <laughs> we give the cell phone back to the kid and he drops the F-bomb on me. And I do not think that word has ever been said in the Ackland Theater before. So, or just so we're clear, child. the word that was said was not fiddler. Yes, indeed. So when we're talking about yeah. F-bombs. And not Fate of Atlantis. Not no, Fate of Atlantis. No. And it was F not podcast. fun. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so or frivolity. Yeah. Basically my week's been awful. I would I'm love that if that was a new swear word, if people just said frivolity to each other as an uh-huh. expletive. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. About the frivolity. Oh, frivolity! See, now now we're yes. going to have to mark this uh, podcast as explicit on iTunes. Ooh, ooh. Edgy. You got to do it. Maybe, maybe that'll bump up our views. Or not views. I think so. Uh, what views, is it? Uh, what do they call it on iTunes? Not not views, but... Oh, uh, listens. Listens. <laughs> Get the listens. No, you see, this is this is a problem since we're, we're all used to uh, film and whatnot. I always say we're going to film the podcast, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's kind of hmm, difficult. Anyway, so, so yeah, one day we will film an episode of the podcast, and it'll be funny. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do a video podcast one of these days, and yeah. we'll upload it to the main YouTube page, and everyone will ask us why we aren't working on Earthbound. Yep, yes. that'll be good. How about your week, Ellie? How'd it go? My week, um, there's not really a whole lot to talk about with me. Um, if you've kind of been following along on our uh, Facebook group or on our website, you know that we're gearing up to do another feature film this summer. So it's Earthbound. And it's not Earthbound. <laughs> what? You must hate Earthbound. Right? We, we hate Earthbound so much. And we set Itoy's house on fire. Uh-huh. So mostly this week has been ordering <laughs> props, ordering equipment, and uh-huh. making yeah, phone yeah. calls. I hate I hate cold calling in general. Like, yeah. I have to do it at work, and I hate it. I hate it even I more you, when bro. it's for a volunteer project. I feel like I'm just pestering these people, this thing like, "Hey, we're making a movie. Do you want to, hey, you know, sacrifice days of your summer to come help us be in this movie that you're not going to see for mm-hmm. a few years?" And <laughs> it'll be fun. What, what's your, what's your ETA on this movie? Oh, when it when we're going to film it or when it's actually going to be finished? When will it be finished? I have no idea. Well, eyes. see, the thing is, I think our fan base wants to see Earthbound more than this. Uh, like even after we announce what this fair. is, I think they're still going to want Earthbound more. So the mm-hmm. current plan is, after we get the shooting done for this, I'm going to jump back into Earthbound and just focus on finishing that. Yeah. That's the plan. So my it's week has like been a, has been cold calling plan. people. Fun times. Fun wow. times for all. Anton, do you have anything? You Any food you'd like to declare? I found an arthritis mouse. <laughs> basically a mouse with a stick on it and on top of the stick are the mouse buttons it's it's the most glorious of can, mice. can we have a uh ellie can we have a link in the description for the <laughs> podcast it's where you can buy your own like 60 dollar yeah, yeah show notes mouse. where to buy an arthritis mouse 
basically yeah, you've shown it to me on skype like half a dozen times because you're so proud <laughs> yes. of it it basically it's proud. like it's a joystick it looks like mouse. a joystick but it doesn't bend yeah it's not a joystick it's just shaped like one yes and you just scoot it across your desk and it's, it's the best and it and you've claimed that it in it 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 bleh. you've claimed that it heightens the immersion of of computer yes. games it does. I was playing Fate of Atlantis, and I felt like it was my walking stick into another world. There it, you go. It it, it, you it, it heightened my puzzle solving skills by times two, and also I asked Phil for hints. You should have had <laughs> you should have had this for Loom. I mean, seriously. Yeah, that that's fair. But it doesn't have like seven to eight buttons up and down the side of it. So there you have it. So da 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 da. Um, let's do E3 news. This is the news. Okay, 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 so let's start off with uh, the E3 news that's relevant to this podcast. Um, yeah, there wasn't all that much adventure game news all around at E3, but I think the one big piece of news that kind of makes up for the fact that there was only one big piece of news is that there is going to be a remastered high-definition Grim Fandango remake. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yes. So... What did you guys yes. think of that news? Pretty awesome. I want more! I know. I, yeah. More bacon. But I don't have a PS4, so never mind. Well, the thing is, when I saw the announcement, I was so over the moon about it. I was like, this can't be for real. And then it's like, it didn't register with me for like half an hour that until like, <laughs> like I didn't realize at first that it was a PS4 exclusive or, yeah, or right. PlayStation exclusive rather. Uh-huh. And, and by the time that I realized this, I was already so hyped up about a Grim Fandango remake. I was like, oh, well, looks like I'm buying a PS4. Yeah, exactly. But It'll yeah. probably come out on PC at some point. Yeah, that's kind of what the internet is saying for everybody who freaked out and is like, why is it only on Sony products? Yeah, exactly. But uh, I... Yeah, I was at I was at Walmart uh, buying uh, costumes for the uh, previously mentioned uh, unannounced movie project, and I was uh, checking awesome my news. tweets as I was walking around the store. And then, I, lo and behold, there is a tweet from uh, Mix and Mojo that mm-hmm. says Grim Fandango remastered uh, remake announced. And so I'm staring at it mm-hmm. in Walmart, and I'm just kind of standing there with my mouth hanging open, and I just <laughs> stare at my phone for like a full ten seconds trying to let it register and wow. and i'm like well okay it's not april fool's day maybe this is uh-huh. for real and so then i go Could look it, it up and i'm like yep this is for real i can't believe this is for real <laughs> it is pretty awesome i just like the fact uh when we first started talking about doing this podcast and like different sections we could do when we were talking about how to get games you would always say we uh we can talk about how you know you can't like get grim fandango and stuff like that mm-hmm. We can call LucasArts about it. What what are you doing to fix this? So, yeah, you're fixing it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I thought that I was funny that that was part what, of the... What the remastering will entail. Well, like, the thing is... Will they just re- res up the graphics and, like, add details to the 3D models? Or Yeah, that's a good question. Like, if they're, if they're going to totally, like, or, redesign everything, like, remodel all the environments and give everybody, yeah. like, new character models, or if it's just going to be, like, a... Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's what it's what it's going to be. Because if all yeah. it is is just like, you Upscaling. know, if it's still going to be removing those bugs, the, yeah. Well, yeah. If it's still just going to be a two D game with three D models walking around, 
you know, even if it looks really pretty, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be very impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, It'll probably be alright, though. I, I, I nominate you to go and play it when we get that far. What? I nominate you to go and play Grim Fandango HD when that comes out. Okay, well, we'll definitely review it whenever it comes out. Okay. So, stay tuned. I think, also E3 news, I think Telltale announced their Borderlands. Or they oh, yeah, their oh, Borderlands yeah. Game. There was a lot of Borderlands news. Um, I haven't really been keeping up with Borderlands so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of just waiting. I mean, the thing Basically, is, with Telltale yes. games, I'm pretty much sold on it, regardless. So I'm going to uh-huh. probably at least play the first episode of Borderlands at some point. So I don't really see yeah. much point in, like, getting hyped up over screenshots and trailers. That's true. Yeah. I think it, what from what I uh, read about it, it's supposed to be a prequel to Borderlands 2, I think? I don't know. It explores the Borderlands universe in an adventure game style, which is right. interesting. Yeah, it looks really cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm just... I get such yeah. a del- I get such a deluge of telltale information on my phone. Yeah, right. It's just like eh. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I but, I'm still waiting on the King's Quest reboot that got canceled. That made me cry. Oh right, yeah. Telltale was going to do a King's Quest reboot. I forgot <laughs> about that. And then oh, they, it was going to be cool. They didn't do it, and then the license expired, and now it's not happening. Uh-huh. Although, Cheers. sort of tangentially related to the uh, Grim Fandango news, I saw something really interesting. This is from MixandMojo.com which is like the go-to website for LucasArts-related news. Yeah, yeah. Here's what they had to say about uh, Grim Fandango, the rights to Grim Fandango being acquired by Sony. It seems that Sony had approached Disney to get the Grim rights by itself and only joined up with Double Fine when they found out both companies were after the game. Even more interestingly, (laughs) Sony apparently was going for all of the LEC adventure titles. Did they succeed? Mm. Maybe. Hopefully. We'll see. So wow. they they were apparently going after everything, not just Grim Fandango, huh? Which hmm. you know that'd be crazy. If, that that would be that would be great. Yeah, if like somebody who cared would re-release the games. Yeah, I mean right. not DOSBox Steam Dump format. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, even just a straight re-release would be really cool. But if they yeah. were if they would remaster them like what they're doing with Grim Fandango, oh yeah, I mean I that would be so so cool if if they went. They back. could actually make the fabled Day of the Tentacle HD. Right. Allegedly cancelled. Yeah, I wonder if they would just revive that project or if they would like theoretically if they if they went back to Day of the Tentacle, if they would just completely, you know, make something the other thing is this mm, means that they, they could potentially gamer. make new entries in these series. What? So I'm I'm still waiting on Monkey Island six, Telltale. Yeah, come on, Where Telltale, get with it. Now now it might be a Sony uh Monkey Island six. Wow, come on Sony, get with it. It'll be a first-person yeah. shooter online MOBA. <laughs> MOBA. I don't know where the Monkey Island... Because Telltale doesn't have the Monkey Island rights anymore. Yeah, I know. So they went back to LucasArts, and then LucasArts got bought by Disney, and then... So it's either so Disney or Sony. it'll be a Monkey Island Pirates of the Caribbean crossover. Right. Where Guybrush Threepwood and Jack Sparrow team up to insult sword fight in an online multiplayer Monkey Island. And you have to buy the characters as, as figurines at the yes. store. And the, and all of the different insults are DLC. You can buy insult packs for five dollars. And then my and soul also would hat, die. Hats and pirate decorations like eye patches and Okay, we're getting a bit of so, peg legs. Uh, so that's that's the E three news. <laughs> e three news. Speculative E four oh, news. Right. What did you guys think of, of everyone else? 
I always enjoy E3 just for the troll videos that come out afterwards <laughs> on YouTube. Yes. This year's been okay. Not as good as previous years. There wasn't a giant enemy crab or anything well, like that. Well, there weren't as many keynote troll. faux pas as there have been in no, previous years. No, definitely not. No, um, yeah. It sounded like all the presentations went pretty well. Microsoft and Sony, from what I saw, seemed so samey. And then Nintendo, of course, is Nintendo, so it was just overall pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like how... I was pretty impressed with Nintendo's... Right, I like how all the news articles, and maybe they've done this in previous years and I just never noticed before, but all the news articles have been phrasing E3 in terms of who won. Yeah. So it's like, who won E3? Was it Nintendo? Did Nintendo win E3? (laughs) It's just like everywhere you look at, who won E3? Who won? I feel like they've done that in previous years, but this is the first year I've seen where it's been like everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, who won? Like it's some big fight. Yeah. Ongoing console war. Right. They just need to watch, uh, oh, what's that video? Gamer, Gamer Wars. Gamer they just Wars, need to watch yeah. Gamer Wars. Yeah. PC Masters, yeah. So, uh, so I think... My, my favorite part of, of E3 was the newspaper article about Nintendo's new PlayStation 4. <laughs> yes, that was glorious. Wide edition. Um, my how favorite they're making part new of dolls E3. for their Super Mash Brothers. My favorite part of E3, uh, the non-Grim Fandango part of E3, that was like an yeah. entire section of E3 was Grim Fandango. Um, uh-huh. My favorite part of E3 was um, the uh, Zelda announcement. I'm pretty excited oh, about yeah. Zelda. Just yes. just the concept that they're going back to like the whole open world format from the uh-huh. first game. Or, I guess the They've first been saying that for ages. They were saying that before Skyward Sword came out. Even. Anton's been burned out by Nintendo. But see, Skyward Sword burned. wasn't open world, was it? No. It was very, less so than Twilight Princess. Well, see, there it you was go. Very, very linear. Yeah, but I think here with the Wii U, they had got four the, areas. They've got the hardware to uh, to pull yeah. off like a Skyrim style game. That'd to me, crazy. that sounds really cool. Yeah, I was just sad. It was all just the cinematic is all we got. Mm. Well, was yeah, there wasn't that much. There. I mean, it was a, it was cool, but it wasn't like mind blowing to me. I mean, I guess it's just the concept of what it could be. Uh huh. I, I guess it's be, it's the. The fact that I've been playing Minecraft so much makes me less than impressed with the idea of just climbing around a bunch of mountains, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is all that I saw in the background. Yeah, I guess it, like, they, well, they would just have to give you to have some compelling... Right, they'd have to, to give you enough stuff to do. Places. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it'll probably be good, because Nintendo is, is awesome like that. Yeah. Generally. Generally speaking. Yeah. I have strong feelings about uh, the new Super Mario Brothers games, but that's that's, that's <laughs> okay. for another day. Well, they're, they're polished. It's, it's another day. It's another day. <laughs> okay, we're we'll getting, talk about that on Mario Cast. We're getting we're dragging this out way too long. Yeah. Okay. So, that was the E3 on, news. On with the show. On with the show. The E3 news. E3 news. Okay, so now to get to the reason you guys actually came for this podcast, we are going to talk about Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis. Um. So, I know you guys have uh, feelings about me reading off of Wikipedia, but I'm going to argue that for this episode, we don't go with the 90-second timer on the Wikipedia yeah. reading, because I found so many cool uh, little factoids about uh, the making of Fate of Atlantis that uh, I'm not okay. going to restrict myself to the 90-second format, All right, and that if you guys fair. get bored, you can just stop me at any point. Cool, quote-unquote. <laughs> Well, I, I reserve the right to make comments about about the things that you're saying. Oh yeah, you can interrupt me whenever. I will. I will interrupt you. Okay. Okay. You ready? Of say. 
Okay. Okay. Here we go. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is a point-and-click adventure game by LucasArts originally released in 1992. The plot is set in the fictional Indiana Jones universe and revolves around Indiana Jones' global search for the legendary sunken city of Atlantis. Sophia Hapgood, okay. an, old wor- an old co-worker of Indiana Jones who gave up her archaeological career to become a psychic, supports him along okay. the journey. The two partners are pursued by the Nazis who seek to use the power of Atlantis for warfare and serve as the adventure's mm-hmm. antagonists. The game features three unique paths to select, influencing story development, gameplay, and puzzles. Okay. At, yeah. the- <clears throat> At the time that a sequel to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure was decided, most of the staff of Lucasfilm Games was occupied with other projects. Designer Hal Barwood mm. had only created two computer games on his own before, but was put in charge of the project because of his experience as a producer and writer of feature films. The company originally mm. wanted him to create a game based on Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, uh, also known as Indiana Jones and the Garden of Life, a rejected script written by Chris Columbus for the third Indiana Jones movie that would have seen Indiana Jones looking for Chinese artifacts in Africa. However, after reading the script, Barwood decided that the idea was substandard and requested to create an original story for the game instead. Along with co-worker Noah Falstein, I think that's how you say his last name, he visited the Mm -hmm. library of George Lucas's workplace Skywalker Ranch to look for possible plot devices. They eventually Mm -hmm. decided upon Atlantis when they looked at a diagram in some cheap coffee table book on the world's unsolved mysteries, which depicted the city as built in three concentric circles. Writing the story involved extensive research on a plethora of pseudoscientific books. Inspiration for the mythology <laughs> in the game, such as the description of the city and the appearance of the metal oracalcum, was primarily drawn from Plato's dialogues Timaeus and Critias, and from Ignatius Loyola Donnelly's book Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, that revived interest in the myth during the 19th century. The magical properties hmm. of oracalcum and the Atlantean technology depicted in the game were partly adopted from Russian spiritualist Helena Blavatsky's publications. The giant colossus producing mm-hmm. gods was based on a power-concentrating device called Firestone, formerly described by American psychic Edgar Case. Um, once Barwood and Falstein mm-hmm. completed the rough outline of the story, Barwood wrote the actual script, and the team began to conceive the puzzles and to design the environments. The Atlantean artifacts and architecture devised by lead artist William Eakin were made to resemble those of the Minoan civilization, while the game implies that the Minoans were inspired by Atlantis. Barward intended for the Atlantean uh, art to have an alien feel to it, with the machines seemingly mm-hmm. operating on as-yet-unknown physics rather than on magic. Um, character animations were fully rotoscoped with video footage of Sam and Max creator Steve Purcell for Indiana Jones' sprites and Colette McCod for Sophia's. Um, hmm. The addition of three different paths for the game was suggested by Falstein and added about six more months of development time, mainly because of all the extra dialogue that had to be implemented for the interaction between Indiana and Sophia. Altogether, the game took around two years to finish, starting in early 1990 and lasting up to the floppy disk release in June 1992. Um, Harrison Ford was not available to record Indiana Jones' voice, so a substitute actor was used. Uh, The talkie version was later released in May of 1993 on CD-ROM, and it was included as an extra game mode in the Wii version of the 2009 action game Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Uh, Fate of Atlantis was praised by critics and received several awards for Best Adventure Game of the Year. It became a million-unit seller and is widely regarded as a classic of its genre today. Uh, Charles Artie of Computer Gaming World praised its setting for containing, quote, the right combination of gravity, silliness, genuine scholarship, and mystical mumbo-jumbo, and called it a strong enough storyline to hold its own next to any of the indie films. 
Um, in yeah, 2008, I, Retro I Gamer Magazine. What? I think that's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, there's another paragraph of people talking about how great the game is. Okay, but, okay. Uh, skip, skip a bit, brother. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much just going to cut out you guys saying yeah, okay, yeah. okay, on top of on top of me. <laughs> uh, I like my okay, okay's. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> go on. No, that, that was pretty much it. That's that's the fate of Atlantis. Oh. I was wondering if they had rotoscoped the characters, because it definitely looked like that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I just thought it was interesting that it was Steve Purcell. Steve Purcell, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Now, um, do you guys want to go ahead and do a roundtable discussion on the game? Or uh, do you want to do the new segment of the show? Well, depends on what the new segment, segment is, because you won't tell us. It's related to so. Fate of Atlantis. Let's do the segment. Okay, okay here we go. This new segment okay. of the show is Get called... Get hyped, you guys. Hang on. Let me take a drink. I called Get Hyped, you guys. Hype, hype, hype. Has the music fire the hype beam? Okay, so this new segment of the show is called Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis: Fact or Fiction? <gasps> and so the Damn. way this works Damn. is, I found this really cool article, uh, and I if, if we if we do show notes, I'll post a link to it. But basically, okay. what they did was they did a lot of research and separated out the uh, aspects of the Atlantis myth that are included in Indiana Jones, and separated out things that. So obviously Atlantis itself is a myth, but yeah, certain yeah. aspects of the myth no that way. are presented in the game I are... found Atlantis the other day. Wow, where was it? It was behind the house. Oh. We'll no post we'll post it. we'll post some GPS coordinates on the show notes. Okay. Um so yeah, but <laughs> the thing is that some of it was made up by the game designers and some of it was based on actual uh mythology from other sources. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to present you guys with an element from the game, and you have to decide whether it's fact or fiction. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, got some music going. This is where I'll start the music. Okay, so first off, the lost dialogue of Plato. Now, this is a uh, key element in the game. Uh, Pretty early on, Indiana Jones has to find this missing dialogue that Plato wrote, which contains all the clues he needs to go find Atlantis. Mm-hmm. The question is, is the Lost Dialogue of Plato something that scholars consider to be an actual thing? Well, I I was surprised to hear that there were actually bits of the Atlantis stuff from the game that were taken from actual Plato dialogues. Right. Uh, the first two uh, mm-hmm. ones that are mentioned, as including bits of Atlantis, are uh, the uh, Timaeus dialogue and the Critias dialogue. Those are both real yeah. dialogues in, by Plato, wow. and they both include... Uh, Things about Atlantis. In fact, I think uh, when I read those in high school, I think it was after I'd played Fate of Atlantis. So I found those segments of the book to be really interesting because it's like, oh, it's just like the game. But as far as uh, the lost dialogue, uh, what do you guys think? Is that something that people think actually exists or is that something that the designers just pulled out of thin air? I'm going to say that probably it's... Like, the lost dialogue of Plato supposedly written by what was it uh plato not hippocrates no no man it's like hermocrates hermocrates yes hermocrates <laughs> that's find a puzzle okay but uh, <laughs> i'm gonna say that that may be a work of fiction but it's conceivable that there is there are lost dialogues of plato you have to you have to come down on one side of, or the other is it true or false I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say it's made up because I'll qualify it. There probably are lost dialogues of Plato, <laughs> but they're probably not about Atlantis. You guys yeah, are no I'm fun. I'm going to go with that. 
Okay. Is, this is my. So as far as far as the dialogue called the Hermocrates, what do you think? No. no. Okay. No. So here's what I found out. Um, so Plato structured this dialogue into three books, each identified yes. by their keynote speaker. So it starts off with uh, Socrates getting together with three of his friends, Timaeus, mm-hmm. Critias, and finally Hermocrates. Now, mm-hmm. there are two dialogues that we know of, the Timaeus and the Critias. And from what I found out from reading this article, the Critias comes to an abrupt halt halfway through the Atlantis story, and they don't know where the rest of it is. Mm-hmm. And the only person out of this group of people that Socrates is discussing um, society with, uh, Timaeus, mm. Critias, and Hermocrates, the only person who doesn't get to do their, their speech is Hermocrates. Ah. So conceivably, if there ever was a third dialogue in this trilogy of dialogues that Plato wrote, it would have been called the Hermocrates. And it would have conceivably... So we were right. Well, so... <laughs> people, so people, it's not... It's... It could be. It could be. People generally consider this to not exist. Um, yeah. Yeah, so pretty much... Uh, you were right. <laughs> yeah, you were right, but I mean, the thing is that it would have been called the Hermocrates, and it would have yeah. probably so had to do we with Atlantis. You were kind of wrong. You were kind of... Well, yeah, it, you, yeah, that one was kind of a fuzzy one. Yeah. Okay. Because the Lost Dialogue the of Plato one. as it appears in Fate of Atlantis, yeah, that's an invention, but... The, whether or not that actually exists, people aren't sure. They think maybe, but then they're, they're doubtful. That was the impression I okay. got. Okay, okay, so that was the first one. Next topic is Plato's tenfold error. So, oh no! In Fate of Atlantis, uh, one of the things that one of the uh, plot well, they, points they keep bringing, yeah, they keep bringing up that uh, in the dialogue, hmm. Plato's. What about Plato's tenfold error? Yeah, Plato's tenfold error, where uh, all of the numbers he gives are multiplied times ten. And mm-hmm. you have to... It's actually a very... It's a really cool puzzle at the very, very end during the, well, final boss, I'll call it. Right. It's it's, it's a really interesting device. <laughs> so but, anyway, yeah. so my question to you guys, is Plato's Tenfold Error an actual thing? Did Plato actually yes. get dates mixed up? Yes. I'm going to go with yes because Anton seems so sure. <laughs> actually. Ah, so fun. So you guys both think it's okay. for real? I feel like it's a transit. I'm gonna say it's fake. No such thing. I'm gonna say it's a. Tra- there's a. Tra- there is translate. There could conceivably be a translational error. Yes or no? That. Yes. It is made up. Okay. okay. I say no. Phil says yes. Okay, so you say no. That doesn't exist, and Phil says yes. Yes. Okay, I'll just yes. read you. I'll just read you the paragraph from the article. In Fate of Atlantis, the Hermocrates, aka the Lost Dialogue the Lost Dialogue of Plato, begins with Hermocrates correcting an error of Critias. Apparently, when translating from Egyptian, a tenfold error was introduced, but Hermocrates isn't sure which way. Either Atlantis held sway 100,000 years ago or 1,000. At first glance, this seems to be an invention of Falstein and Barwood, a neat way of allowing Atlantis to be put in the Mediterranean instead of the Atlantic. But in fact, the tenfold error idea has cropped up at learned journals. Apparently, Plato had little idea of time and dating, and a misunderstanding of the original figures might well have led to multiplication by ten, as the Lost Dialogue states. <laughs> so, yes. fact. There you uh, go. So wait, Phil is right. No! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so next is Orichalcum. So, will, yes. so the, the metal uh, that's used by Atlanteans in Fate of Atlantis is called Orichalcum. And it has it all kinds like fire. It has all kinds of magical properties. It, it like powers robots. It, you know, 
powers subways, powers other robots, yeah, demon necklaces, necklaces, you name it, or Calcum does it. Also a robot. Also, did we mention robots? So the question is, is Orcalcum a real metal? Fact or fiction? It's fiction. It's fact. Ooh. Okay. So, Orcalcum. It's an actual metal that got named something else later and people didn't think about it anymore. Uh, yeah, Anton pretty much has it. Amethyst. Uh, Orcalcum really exists. Uh, Plato wrote of a metal called Orcalc, and he writes, In those days, the most valuable metal except for gold was Orcalc. Uh, beyond that, Plato ascribes uh-huh. no properties to the metal. It certainly didn't animate machines or move mountains, as later happens in Fate of Atlantis. Orcalcum has been <laughs> variously held to be a gold-copper alloy, a copper-tin or copper-zinc brass, or a metal that's no longer known. Um, it's mentioned in the Aeneid, and it's theorized Ooh. that it was an alloy of gold and silver, but people don't know for sure what it was, but it has been written about mm-hmm. as an actual metal. Yes. Oh. So... So the final two, uh, so final piece two of... Two. Oh yeah, I haven't been keeping score. Who's winning? We're tied. Yeah, we're tied. Well, we've only done three so far. How can you, not, how can you guys be tied? Because well, we went the same on the first one. Oh, okay. Fair, fair. Okay. So the last one, this will be the tiebreaker. <gasps> the, the Gnosis Labyrinth. So mm-hmm. at the midway point in Fate of Atlantis, Indiana Jones has to go into this massive underground labyrinth in Crete. The question is, does this labyrinth exist? Fact or fiction? Fact. Fiction. Okay. So I'm just going to read the article. Um, This will be be easier than me trying to summarize it on the fly. Okay. I need to know! So here's what this article says. If Crete doesn't feature much in the tale of Atlantis, it is an enormous presence in Greek mythology. Uh, From an intriguing blend of myth and fact, Barwood and Falstein drew together a large part of the game. Most of what we know about Gnosis came from the work of British archaeologist Sir Arthur Evans. Starting in 1900, Evans unearthed the Palace of Gnosis, which he associated with King Minos. He and later archaeologists determined that the original palace was destroyed sometime in 1700 BC, before being rebuilt into a far more elaborate scale. The final destruction came at the hands of the Mycenaeans, I think that's how you say their name, who overran Gnosis and Minoan Crete around 1400 BC. Work continued at the site for a long time, finally concluding in early 1935. Discovered during this period were 3,000 stone tablets containing scripts of two languages. Um, but note the date, early 1935. When, er- when mm-hmm. Indy arrives in Crete, his first task is to search an old dig site for the moonstone. It seems clear, and it becomes clear when you compare the artwork with actual photographs of the palace that Indy is searching through Evan's dig site. Eventually, Indy finds the moonstone disc at the dig site, and the next section of the game opens up, exploring the labyrinth. This part is clearly myth, but it's not made up by Barwood and Falstein. According to Greek legend, there really was a labyrinth under the city of Gnosis. The legend also stated that the layout of the labyrinth was based on a mural on the floor of the palace. The mural Mm. of the labyrinth has been found, but the labyrinth itself has not. (laughs) So wait, who wins? Is it for real or no? It's not for they real. It's it. myth. They haven't found but, it. But yet. it might be for real. It they might be for real. There's a there's a Maybe map. I have to go find it if I want that point, don't I? Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to go find it to win the point, Anton. Ah! Well, we'll say I win for the time being because I'm a good winner, and I will continue my quest to find the labyrinth of Nasus. Well, there you go. Fact separated from fiction. Dun 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 dun. And yeah, this this article was a really interesting read in general. So uh, we'll probably have to do sh- actual show notes for this episode. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's All finally, right. finally, like 30 finally. minutes in, let's move <laughs> yes. into the game. Let's talk about the game. Uh, yes, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Um, do you guys just kind of want to jump in and I'll start talking at once, or do we want to do like a roundtable kind of thing? Well, we can start roundtable and kind and of... And then it'll move. devolve into nonsense. Right, yeah. okay. Talk about so, uh, Phil, why don't you start? Since you sure. you finished the game, right? You finished the whole game. I finished the whole game, and it was great. Um, <laughs> you liked all the puzzles that you did. No, okay, I will admit, I did not get through it on this playthrough, but I ha- I remember... He basically backseat drove me through the end of the I backs- game. <laughs> I, ba- I helped Anton get through the ending, and I remember playing this game a lot when I was younger, so it's still really fresh in my mind. Right. Um... I'm going to say, alright, I know on the Loom podcast we talked about how this is kind of, you know, one of those Sunday afternoon games where you can get through it in a couple of hours. Uh-huh. This, on the other hand, is like <laughs> a drastic change, sort of, in a, I would say in adventure mm-hmm. games, because... It's a huge scope. You it, don't... it is incredibly massive, and it's, it's meaty. It's a very meaty adventure game mm-hmm. where there's just a lot of puzzles and... Instead of being sort of fantastic like Monkey Island and Loom, kind of, where you do ridiculous things and things that are not, per se, they wouldn't abide by the laws of reality and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, it, it, I feel like it intro- I felt like it introduced a very realist sort of perspective into adventure games. And all the puzzles are very organic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. They all feel like things that you could actually do, except for a couple that I detest. Yeah, Anton, do you, do you want to say a few I'll, words I'll, about I'll hold my beef. I'll hold my beef. Okay. Anton I, has been trying well, to... Yeah, I was just going to say, Anton's been trying to vent about certain things on Fate of Atlantis, and I, like, throughout the week, and I kept, I kept telling him to just bottle it up and hold it back and then just explode on the podcast about all the stuff that drove you crazy with Fate of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, but before uh, we move on to Anton's explosion, I just wanted to say that... <laughs> I really like, as Anton said, the organicness of the puzzles. Like, there's, uh, when, at a certain point in the game, you have to find Plato's Lost Dialogue, um, it'll randomly put it into different sections. And I think Anton and I got near, I think our dialogues were in just about the same section. I think maybe there was different, but they were in the same area. Where, it in the first of the game, a bookshelf falls on Indy and it's stuck on the floor. And, um... Oh yeah, we solved that puzzle two completely different Yeah, there are two ways. different solutions to this puzzle. My solution was I went under the bookshelf to the uh, room below, and I got a piece of coal out, and I threw the coal, hit the book, and it fell down, and I picked it up. What? Whereas Anton Anton found a screwdriver and unscrewed... No, I had to find an arrowhead. Oh yeah, the arrowhead, put a cloth on the arrowhead, unscrew the back of the bookshelf, reach down, and pick it up. See, that's what I did. I didn't realize See, you could grab a piece of coal and throw it up and knock the book down. See, I did not realize That's that. what I really like about this game. They're just... It's, and again, there are three different paths. We each took a different path. Um, yeah, just there's so much to this game. Like, you could play it through each and every time and be... You know, it'll, it'll be fun because it keeps changing. Yeah, that's true. Right. I'll, I, yeah, that actually brings up one of the things I wanted to talk about. I, one of the things I like about this game is how it goes out of its way to make sure you get a different experience every time you play it. I mean, within, oh, yeah. within reason... Like, like, like you said, the the location of the lost dialogue of Plato when you go back to Barnett College to look for it, it changes uh-huh. each time you play the game, and yeah. uh, like the whole concept of the three branching paths, depending on what kind mm-hmm. of game you want to play. Yeah, right. it's almost it was like a kind of a precursor to the way The Walking Dead was structured, because the game will observe yeah. how you behave in the first section of the game and then determine 
which path you should go on for the rest of the game at a certain uh, branching point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that <laughs> about it. And, yeah, the organic puzzles are really cool, especially, you know, mm-hmm. you get used to, like, the silliness of things like Monkey Island, Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, Here, exactly. it's, it's a lot more serious and practical. So if you get stuck at any point, you can usually think your way out of what you need to do, and it, it'll be pretty mm-hmm. logical. Yeah. You don't don't have to worry. Yeah, I don't have to worry about using a monkey as a monkey wrench or anything like that. Putting a banana on a metronome. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's that's all I had to. That's my major thought. I'll say more as we go on, but that's kind of my feel for it. One of the things I loved about this was just the overall tone of the story. Um, oh yeah. This came out three years after uh, Last Crusade came out. So uh-huh. the Indiana Jones movies were still really fresh in everyone's minds. Yeah. And so they did an amazing job of capturing the tone of the first three they movies. Really did. Like I, I imagine they probably watched the first three movies several times before making this because it just perfectly captures just the things that Indiana Jones says and just the dialogue and the, the pacing and sort of the behavior of the Nazis and how they're kind of like you know, chasing you to all the different locations. They're like always one step behind Indiana mm-hmm. Jones. It just felt so much like the movies. Like I would, yeah. If they made Fate of Atlantis into a movie, it would be so good. Like it would be fantastic. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's save any uh, discussion because I, I do want to uh, talk about that. But uh, let's let's just talk about the game itself for now. Um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> was that? Does that? Uh, did you just tip us as to the secret question of the show? No, I was, I was just saying I want to sort of compare, the, like, what what do you guys think Fate uh, of Atlantis would have been like if that had been the fourth Indiana Jones movie and sort of well, compared to Kingdom of the uh, Crystal Skull? Okay, okay, but, I want to get to my beef. So okay, you say so your, um, say your yeah, the only thing that bugged <laughs> me about this, there are, um, I'm not sure how I want to say this. There are certain aspects of Fate of Atlantis that bug me because I guess it really just boils down to the Atlantis section of the game. There is hmm. so much That's back- the part I had the least trouble with. See, there, there, there's just so much backtracking that you have to do mm-hmm. when you actually get to Atlantis. And I, I, I have to give them credit, though. They did a perfect job of capturing just the eerie nature of like this, mm-hmm. this abandoned underwater city. That part of it was really cool, but just the puzzle yeah. itself... It was there was so much backtracking and kind of poking around on the map and having to try to go through all these empty rooms that all have these shortcuts to other rooms. Mm-hmm. And okay, but I'm going to be honest. The Atlantis section was not hard for me because it's exactly like so many RPG dungeons. <laughs> yeah, I was oh. going to say <laughs> so it's... many JRPGs, except those have random battles that keep interrupting you every five seconds, and it's the worst. Yeah. Well, see, here so... you had Nazis that were walking. Yeah. Around. But you, you can, can wa- you can run past them. Yeah, you can avoid. Yeah, you can just talk your way out of it, or just avoid them altogether. Right, the Nazis were just kind of an annoyance for me because yeah, after you but get you the rations, get that wiener dog. After you get the rations off the first guy, then they just interrupt mm-hmm. the flow of the puzzles. The other right. thing is, I like to play these games organically and not use any yeah. of the, not use any of the features that the Scum VM emulator provides. But I have to admit, when I got to the Atlanta section, I broke down and turned on the speed feature. So if you hit Control uh, F, it'll like feature? it'll like play it at twice the speed. And I use that oh, to, to run around Atlantis and get to. He all walks things. so slowly. I know. Tears. There's just so much so much backtracking you had to do, and yeah, it's true. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of but concept, I remember none of those puzzles, so it was cool for me. Yeah. Also, like, it annoyed me there were so many places where you had to use a particular item, 
and then mm-hmm. it wouldn't alert you to the fact, oh, hey, you're going to need this item later. You'd better pick it up. Yeah. So for instance, I just do that by habit, but like the ladder. Yeah, the ladder. You do that like twice. There, t- there are all these times you have to move this ladder around Atlantis, and it never prompts you to say, oh, hey, don't forget that ladder before you leave. So if you forget it, and then yeah, you come to another room where you need it, you have to go all the way back, which is going to be like a five-minute walk to go uh-huh. get the ladder and then go back to what you originally wanted to do. Exactly. And you might not even think, oh, I can pick up that ladder. You might have completely forgotten it because you already used it. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're not trained to think, I need to use these items more than once with adventure games in general. Exactly. Most adventure games, you just use items once and then you forget about them. Yeah, exactly. Third person ladderer. So, yeah, that's pretty much... I, I, you know, didn't have that many beefs with this game. I, You know, I still love this. You know, it's partially nostalgic because this was another one of the first mm-hmm. adventure games we ever played. But I, I do genuinely yeah, think true. that between capturing the tone of the movies and just having a really well-rounded story that's great, no matter which which path you take, you know, yeah. I think it means it, it, it deserves all the uh, acclaim that it's gotten over the years. Mm-hmm. This is all the way. So, okay. <laughs> Anton, here we, here we go. What was your beef with Fate of Atlantis? Okay, well, first, I want to preface this by saying I like the game a lot. It reminded mm-hmm. me, it had a, lot, a nice tone. Yeah. The VGA art was actually a lot better than Monkey Island 2. Yeah, it was, these these uh, backgrounds for Fate of Atlantis were drawn They're on great. the computer. Uh, Monkey Island well, 2 was like, all, it was all scanned uh, artwork. Monkey Island 1 is like really basic pixely artwork. Right. And Monkey Island 2 is scanned VGA artwork. But what this what Fate of Atlantis looked like to me was it scanned VGA artwork that they went over with it, like pixel by pixel. See, I think clean, cleaned it up so it looks like game art, but well, it's got all the color variation of actual art. The, the Wikipedia article said that they uh, drew all of the art on the computer, but then when it got really? close to the end of development time, uh, they they were running out of time, and so what they did was they did paintings and then scanned them in. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looked much nicer than Monkey Island. It did look yeah. a lot more... I mean, I like the kind of grungy look that Monkey Island 2 has, but uh, mm. this was definitely a lot more clean and crisp. Yeah. Okay. And I like the fact that the puzzles are organic. That was my other positive point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> I'm bracing myself. <laughs> okay. Here we go. You the look puzzle. so happy. <laughs> I'm finally, I finally get to say my beef. Oh, everything... <laughs> should we have, should we have some music? You can add music if you want. Or a drum roll. <laughs> okay. Okay. All, all, the, all the environments are so sparse. Anytime you look at anything, he just tells you what you can already see. And if you try to do anything that you're not supposed to do, he doesn't give you any hints. He just says, I can't do that. And it's, like, not helpful at all. And it's, like, so, all the puzzles are organic, but if you don't know exactly what they want you to do or how they want you to do it, it's not helpful at all. So, like, for example, after I pried all the nails out of the... Well, it's like I'm trying to pry the nails out of the bookcase at the first of the game, right? Right. So I use the arrowhead, and he's like, ow, that hurt my hand. I'm not going to pull out any more nails until I have something to cover it with. And you have to go find this dirty rag somewhere, and it's, like, pixel, so much pixel hunt... How am I supposed to know to do that? And you get all the nails out, and you do them one at a time. And then you say, like, pick up bookcase to try to get him to take off the back and look inside. And he's like, I can't pick that up. And I'm like, well, what do you want? And <laughs> I finally figured out you have to say open bookcase, like it's some sort of treasure chest or something. I'm like, this is this does not make sense to me. 
there's so many parts of the game where it's just some little thing you needed to pick up somewhere. Yeah, and, um, and all the bits where you can fly between environments, it takes you so long to fly between places, and you have no idea what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, you wasted so much airfare going back and forth between Algiers and know. Monte Carlo. Oh it, it was fun. It was fun to watch Anton just like Ugh. cross something in Fate of Atlantis and just go on this long rant about what's <laughs> bad. So about I it. could not figure out. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Um, there, I feel like there's some puzzle in Atlantis that just drove me absolutely bonkers. Oh, oh. It's the I'm it's this puzzle where it's like you have to get Sophia out from under this door. Oh no. And you can pick up the door and tell it's got this long it's got this conversation tree where he's trying to go with Sophia to go out from under the door while he's holding it and she's afraid he's gonna drop it on her. But it's like there's so many choices I keep thinking, well maybe I need to say something different. And you can try all of these items and he won't be able to use any of them. And it's like you have to progress it through the game and ignore that puzzle until you get a lot farther. You find this tiny hinge pin, which randomly changes sizes when you need to use it to prop open the door. <laughs> and it's like, this does not make sense. You can't use a hinge pin to prop open a door high enough that a human can climb underneath. It's just unnatural puzzles like that. We're driving me bonkers all the way through the game. You have to use the hinge pin a second time for, to, yes. as, as a lever, yes. and then it shrinks that's down to, again. That's another item you have to pick up again and use it somewhere else. It's yeah. like, okay, the labyrinth at Gnosis. You get to the map room. And you've got the spinny thing, and it has the symbols on the doors of the different things that are on the on the stones. And it makes me, it made me think. So you've got the little statue across the room with the horns on it. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm supposed to be taking the background as a hint on how to solve this puzzle. Because when you solve it the way you're supposed to do from the last dialogue, it just opens the door that leads to a dead end. So I was like, okay, I have to solve. This is a secret background puzzle. I'm gonna be clever, and I kept trying it over and over, <laughs> and every which way I could think of. I didn't think. Oh, I have to rub. I have to rub a cloth on a comb, <laughs> hold it up in an empty hallway, and he'll be like, "Gasp! A secret door!" And there will be a secret door suddenly. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just, puzzles Anton, like that are just. Well, Anton is literally frothing at the mouth. Yes, it was driving me bonkers all the way through the game. These these horrible puzzles. Yeah, there are definitely a. Uh, I, I agree with you there. There are a few puzzles that kind of see. I think the problem. Well, the problem... I mean, they're they're un... they seem unnatural, and they don't let you know that you're making progress or that you have good ideas when you try things that are close but not correct. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. That they should have had more uh, more uh, dialogue for Indy to say. So if you try the wrong thing, for him to like encourage you that you're on the right track instead of mm -hmm. just the pat. Oh, that doesn't work. Yeah, it's just like, well, I don't know. Am I on, am I on the cusp of a great discovery, or am I going completely in the wrong direction? <laughs> I think part of the problem was that you chose the wits path, and so I think their their goal. I'm not saying this was something wrong that you did, but I'm saying I think you had a bad experience because the designers thought, oh, this is the path that needs the most puzzles. So let's yeah. let's go out of our way to make as many obtuse puzzles as possible. So like the thing well, with the, the like uh, the thing uh, with the static on the comb. Mm-hmm. I'll say most of the puzzles were uh, pretty reasonable, I think. Yeah. Like, all the submarine puzzles were fine, and yeah, most of the Atlantis puzzles I was okay with, except for the part where I had to hinge pin. Except for the part where I had to ignore Sophia and move on with the game. The Atlantis was, part of was, the game was what the part Because there's so much me. backtracking in that outer circle. Yeah. That I kept thinking, this, okay, this is the last puzzle, and then I can move on. Right. Because I'll have cleaned out this area and I can move on to the next bit. Yeah. I didn't yeah, think I had to move on to the next bit and come back. You were thinking too much in terms like, of RPGs. Uh, 
I was. That was, it was my downfall. You mentioned earlier that you had to search all over Barnett College for the, the dirty rag. Um, I'm, oh, I'm, the other puzzle drove me bonkers in Barnett College at the first of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, was so it you the need gum to on the get... shoes? Yes! <laughs> you go to a school desk and pick up desk. Gives you gum from underneath the desk. And then you, you have to use gum on coal chute, and he'll be like, oh, I can put gum on my shoes to climb up this coal chute. I'm like... What the poop, man? Yeah, that was one of those puzzles that, like, even when we played the game the first time, that always bothered me as, as like, eh, that doesn't really ring doesn't true. Work. Doesn't work, Indy. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I, I, I do have to call foul on a couple of places in this uh, where they did resort to pixel hunts, in my opinion. They, they were definitely pixel hunts. Like For finding instance, the arrowhead. Well, the arrowhead college. is one. And then uh, in Atlantis, this was one that really, really annoyed me. Uh, after you uh, use the robot to crush the Nazi guard uh, to free Sophia. Oh yes, the tiny stone head. There's a tiny that blends little, in with all the rubble. There's a tiny little uh, robot part in amongst all the rubble. Yes. And I went all the way to the room where you need this robot part, and the, on the screen it mm-hmm. kind of indicated that I was still missing something. So I had to walk all the way back to the dungeon, which is like you know a five minute walk. And then I'm mm-hmm. just kind of clicking around to see if I missed anything. And the larger hotspot is just robot junk. So I think, yes. oh, I don't need to pick anything up here. And then I just so happen to spot there's this little tiny thing that's sort of offset from the rest of the robot parts. And I'm yes. like, wait, there it is. I was so mad. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's especially hidden because the robot robot junk uh, hotspot was so unnaturally shaped. Right. It covered parts that didn't look like robot junk. Yeah. And then there's this other hotspot for the tunnel that goes into the vent that's behind the wall and you can't see it. Oh my goodness, the tunnel hotspot on Why the screen that? drove me crazy. Why? It's like, how do like, I that's get... the way I came from. How do I get out of this vent? <sighs> anyway. Okay, the crab puzzle is bad too, I didn't like that. Oh, I did, I did figure it out without cage. having to bug Phil about it. Well, what, what was wrong with But the... it's like, how do, how do you know to find that rib cage? Because it's exactly. like you wouldn't pick up any of the bones in the Nasus Labyrinth. It's exactly. Like, I don't need old bones. Exactly. It's like suddenly, I need these bones! Maybe it'll be useful. Yeah, and it's the fact that the rib cage is so far out of the way. You have to go out yes. You have to go out into the subway tunnel and then walk... Go all freaking, the way around. You have to walk freaking 270 degrees around the circle of Atlantis to get to, this, to get to this wrecked train where there's a single skeleton where you can pick up a rib cage. When there are there are skeletons lying all over Atlantis, I know any of those other ones worked. I know. And why do you need a crab? Oh, to feed an octopus. Of course. Of course. Also, the uh, the crab raft made me crazy too because that was another place where I had to turn on speed mode because it went so oh. slow. The spindles on the wall on on the tunnel those were not necessary. Those drove me crazy. Also, <laughs> I was like. It's a spindle. Okay, so I went all the way back to the machine room and picked up the brass, the brass wheel. It looks like a ship's wheel. I was like, I'm going to stick it on there and turn it. Oh my goodness. You nope, really did that? No, no, no. No, it was nope. the sunstone. It was the, and then you all have to change depending on which room you're going well, into. See, that, it's a different that, stone. That kind of made sense because you, you were going in a circle. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Calm it down, you two. Uh, okay, I want, so I, I want to know, can you open that treasure chest upstairs in Barnett College? Yeah, there's a treasure chest behind a box, and I couldn't get it open, and I assumed it was from a different cap. No, you can go to the end of all three variations of where the lost dialogue is, and if you get to it, he's just like, oh, there's nothing in here. The way you do it is uh, you have to go back up into the attic and open up an urn, and then there's some there's a key in the ashes, and then you use the key to open the chest. And the, How do you get up in the attic? I couldn't get him to go up in you, the... You have to use the uh, grease on the totem pole and pull it back. What? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For I'm real, crying. Anton. I'm crushing. So what, you... what's inside the treasure chest? No, it's nothing. just nothing. Nothing. It's, yeah, what? he just says it's empty. <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the things, this actually, you reminded me the attic room in Barnett College. Here's something that has always bugged me about Fate of Atlantis in general. In the opening okay. scene, after the opening credits, you have the Indiana Jones music. Da, 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 da. After mm-hmm. he gets through the opening credits, Indiana Jones makes this exciting entr- entrance into the game by jumping through a window, and there's like glass flies everywhere, <laughs> and he crashes into this uh-huh. room, and he's like, How are you going to find this statue, Jones? And, okay, at the time, it's like, yeah, Indiana Jones, jumping through a window. But then, you think about it later, this is the attic of Barnett College. Why? So what he, what he would have had to do was he would have had to get, so, on, get on the so roof. So Kerner, Kerner came to his office and was like, I hear you have a statue. Can right. I see so, it? He's so, like, okay, I'll go find it. So Indiana Jones is like, yeah, I'll go get the statue for you. And then he proceeds to climb up on the roof of his office building. This and isn't in through the, a window. If you haven't played the game, this isn't actually in the game. This was just what would have had to happen. Ooh. He climbs on, he climbs on the roof of his office building and then whips <laughs> his way across the street to jump through a window into the college where he works. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> well, upstairs was, was locked off. Remember? They oh, that sign. Right. There you go. That's why he had to do that. There you go. Yeah, it had to be silly me. Um, I do. While we're talking about the beginning of the game, I would like to say I always really loved in that first screen when he flies to the attic. In the very prominently in the foreground, you see this what he calls a medieval gargoyle, but it bears such a striking resemblance to the. Uh, elevated beings at the very end of the game. It's just what really? It's, it's yeah. Okay, I gotta go look at this now. I yeah, I, I didn't notice that. No, and like I how you said it. how the uh, they based Atlantean culture off the Minoans or yeah. Oh, does he say it? is that the statue he says it looks like? Or Marcus thought it was from a Minoan statue or something. Might be. I don't know. Maybe. It does. But, yeah, it does just, kind of have a resemblance to the Atlanteans. Hmm. It does. It does vaguely yeah, look like an alien, I guess. I, I like how just like that they don't really bring that up at the first like other than passing but that kind of just it's like it was there know. from the beginning yeah like it's you subconsciously remember it when you see the very end I don't want to spoil what happens at the end but yeah, yeah that's a good that's a good point I always love that in movies when they they show you something mm-hmm. at the beginning and you don't understand the significance until the end and then when you go back and do it a second time you're like mm-hmm. oh that was there the whole time yeah right it was singed the whole time yeah. I feel um, like there's something else I was gonna gripe about, but I'm, I I can't remember. I, I actually thought of something else I want to say long. about the story. My gripes are over long. So yes, I I got a a, a big dose of this because I took the team path for uh, Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and Sophia uh, kind of go through each area together. Um, mm-hmm. I love the interplay between Indy and Sophia yeah. in this game, and the, just the fact that the way they set up their characters, it's very much like a Mulder and Scully relationship because Sophia is mm-hmm. the psychic who claims to have contact with dead atlantean kings and then indiana uh-huh. jones is like the skeptic who's like giving her a hard yeah, time right. at every it's step true. of the way and it was just this great this great like opposing dynamic between the two characters yeah. that always i would all i would always pick the options in a dialogue trees where i, I would just prick on sophia and just give her a hard time <laughs> uh-huh but yeah That's it was just true. it was just a really really cool i mean i could have easily seen her as a, a companion in one of the mm-hmm. movies yeah oh yeah definitely i, I would even argue that the dialogue between the two is like better than oh uh, what what are the other three? I don't. Well, there was Marion, and then there was the Marianne. there was the screamy lady from Temple of Doom. Screamy lady, and then uh, <laughs> El- and then Elsa. No, no, not short round. 
<laughs> yeah, short okay. doesn't count. And also, uh, that Nazi lady. Yeah, Elsa. Spoilers. Spoilers. Whoa. Elsa. No, she's a not Nazi. a Nazi. Not a Nazi. Okay. Anyway, so this not, actually is a good, a good. Me. Anton, were you done ranting? I. Uh, we, we need to hassle. I need. Yeah, I need yeah, to yeah. Going. I had so a thing. I was gonna say. Okay. You can tell. tell Drink Elliot's rose water. Okay. <laughs> oh, I remember what it was now. When okay, when you're getting <laughs> Sophia out of the cage, this didn't really bother me so much. It was just kind of humorous. So you leave Sophia in Barnett College, and you don't see her for the whole game if you take the wits path, right? Right. And you suddenly she suddenly turns up in this cage. It's the first time he's seen her for the whole game. Right. So he's like, did you miss me? She's like, get me out of here! <laughs> like, as, <laughs> like, first thing. She doesn't even say hello. That's funny. I was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then he kisses her. It's like, okay. Yeah, uh, in the labyrinth, uh, in the, in midway through the game, there's a point where you can talk to Sophia if you take the team path, and he's uh-huh. like, you look great in this light. And then she's like, what are you talking about? It's pitch black in here. <laughs> Oh, yes. this other, there's this other great part where you're trying to get her to crawl through a hole, and you kind of have to use reverse yes. psychology to get her to do it. And he, uh-huh. either one of the options you can pick is like saying, you probably wouldn't fit through that hole anyway. <laughs> and then she's all like, is that a crack about my weight? And then you can choose to yes. say, well, it's not exactly uh-huh. a barn door. <laughs> that was always one of my favorite <laughs> conversation treats. Oh my goodness. It's not exactly a barn door. <laughs> I have to admit that that hole drove me crazy because I thought that was a puzzle. I had to do oh, it on its path. Yeah, that's the other thing. It. See, because there's leftover bits from the other paths, and so there, there's like a couple of red herrings. Like if you don't, yeah. if you're not aware of the fact that there's stuff lying around that you don't need, that you would need on a different path in the game, yeah, that can be kind of distracting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we need to hustle. Yeah. So we were talking about the movies just now, and then we kind of got back off track. I was gonna yeah. use that as a transition point. We can kind of wrap up with this. Uh, for years, uh, before Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, uh, people who played this game always said that this would be the perfect uh, blueprint for a fourth Indiana Jones movie if it ever got made. <laughs> so my question to you guys, mm-hmm. uh, which do you think made a better movie? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or a hypothetical Fate of Atlantis movie? <laughs> like, is that even a contest? I mean, hypothetical <laughs> will always be better than what is actually. Well, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But pretend, pretend they just used... Fate of Atlantis. Just the premise? No, no, no. Like, just adapt movies. it straight. Like, don't change anything. Okay. But you still have old Harrison Ford. Pretend you have old Harrison Ford doing Fate of Atlantis. Would that be better well, than Kingdom I, of the Crystal Skull? I feel like Fate of, Atl- Fate of Atlantis tells a more compelling story, and the characters are much more, like, mm, memorable, I feel, than Crystal Skull well, and Russian Lady. I mean, there, there are some similarities, though, because if you think about it, the Atlantean higher beings in the end sequence it's mm-hmm. kind of like the like aliens in kingdom of the crystal skull mm-hmm. and the, the whole premise of like what the russian lady does at the end of i'm sorry spoilers for kingdom of the crystal skull mm-hmm. but whoa, the, what the whoa. russian what the russian lady does at the end is kind it's of similar pleasant. to what dr uberman does in the in the god room mm-hmm. in, in atlantis uh-huh that's true so i mean there are a lot of plot similarities yeah i think i'm going to say Crystal Skull makes a better movie than Fate of Atlantis would, but Fate of Atlantis makes a better game than Crystal Skull would. Well, that's that's <laughs> an easy answer, though. It's an easy out, but I think that's it's an easy true. Out. If, you'd have to add. I mean, you'd have to add a lot of stuff, and it would depend on right. what well, what they added and what they took out. 
I mean, whether it's a decent movie. The, just the dynamic between Sophia and, and yeah. is so much more entertaining than Marion and Stupid Mutt. I don't know. Mutt. I, I mean, don't know. Well, Stupid Mutt is stupid, but yeah. Mar- I thought Marion was pretty good in Crystal Skull. I'm not yeah. saying Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a great movie. I'm just saying uh-huh. if it had been, would... if the premise had been Fate of Atlantis, if you guys yeah. would have thought that was a better movie. Hmm. No, I agree. I like Fate of it. Yeah. I like the Crystal Skull. Ah! <laughs> I thought it was cool. <laughs> I mean, it's been I forever hate it since so I watched much. it. The premise, the premise it, is stupid. It had a lot of cool parts. No, it, it had so many cool parts. It was a, it was a cool movie that had okay. problems. Go watch Cinema Sins: Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, that I, encapsulates everything I hate well, about that movie. See, so many what, of the Fate of Atlantis characters are just like flat, like stereotypes. Like I am evil Nazi. Yes, like I am evil Nazi scientist. In Monte Carlo, Trottier is such a one-dimensional character. He really is. He's like, I don't want to help you. Oh no, I'm kidnapped. Help me. Okay, now I will help you. I'm grateful. You yeah. solved my puzzle. My feeling okay, on Kingdom anyway. of the Crystal Skull is that it's a good movie that starts out good and then gets progressively worse as it goes on. Yes. Yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, but I mean, there. Were, I feel like there were redeeming qualities all the way through. I honestly liked it better than Temple of Doom. Yeah, that's the like... thing. It ranks above Temple of Doom for sure. It's better than any of the Star Wars prequels. I like Temple of Doom better. Have you oh, seen man. Temple of Doom? Yes, I have. <laughs> have you seen it recently? Yes. <laughs> okay, so okay. here's here's the, here's the new okay. Temple of Doom is way more exciting. Let's if you if you like Temple of Doom more than Crystal Skull or Vice Versa, please write us an email to podcast at ridgewayfilms.com. Please please yes. write us awful hate mail for implying that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has redeeming qualities to it. Podcast.com. Hey. hey. That, that, that implication terrifies me. Well, I'm kind write, of desperate at this email point for people to write podcasts to, to give us podcast feedback because nobody's sending anything. If you know what the F word is that the child said to Phil. Write it in any. <laughs> what do you think the F word was? Tell us. Write your guess on the back of an index card, stick four fluffy puff marshmallows on the corners, and just walk <laughs> away, mother. Take a trip to, to the, the mountains. mountains. Oh my goodness. Are we really attacking Bucky Okay. So. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's rate this words? really quick. Fate of Atlantis, okay. what's, the, what's the score? I'm going to give it a solid 82. Like, it is a really that good game. That is not solid. <laughs> it's a solid. Okay, I mean, it's solid, not like 82 point something. Loom, Loom yeah. was like in the 70s. When we yeah, did Loom. Yes. I'm definitely going to say this is a better adventure game than Loom. But it does have some clunky aspects to it, and it is definitely more tedious than any of the adventure games we've gotten through so far. Okay, fair. But I, it harkens back to a lot of older adventure games like Zork, where you have these huge catacombs and you just have to randomly explore and pick up one item in a room. And See, Anton, you, didn't, you, walk you, you never complained about Zork. Well, we haven't gotten the Zork yet. Well, no, I mean, just in general, oh, no. I never heard you ranting at your computer about how stupid Zork was. It's because I was playing through it with a walkthrough. <laughs> I can't complain about dumb puzzles when I'm cheating. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, I'm, okay. I'm going <laughs> to give Fate of Atlantis a uh, a resounding 89. Hmm. Hmm. 82, I, 89. Give it a 3. I'll give it an 85. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anton, you're just taking the easy way out. 85.5. There okay, you have it, Anton um, is a wuss. No, okay. <laughs> Take the average. Yes, well, hmm, okay, I'm going to actually side with Phil and say 81 out of 100 indie quotient points. Out of 100 indie quotients. 
See, I didn't. I never. Oh, also, a fun I fact: you can die in this LucasArts adventure game. I always forget. Oh yeah, but so there are like maybe five places where you can get dead. I never died. I felt like the fact that they violated the LucasArts creed yeah. of not being able to die in a LucasArts mm-hmm. adventure game. I felt like well, it was yeah. so fair because they. I was like there was never a point when you thought, right? Wait, I died. I didn't see that coming. Like they make it uh-huh. very apparent that you're about to walk into danger. Like you, like. You'll never go around well, a corner and then suddenly be faced with a Nazi and then he shoots you dead on, on the spot. To be fair, when I got to the end of the game, I forgot that there were wrong conversation tree paths that oh. would make you lose the end scene. <laughs> right. So I had to solve the puzzle at the end again to get back there. Yeah. That scene is so good. Yeah, yeah the finale is, good. is pretty good. That's like one of my favorite oh, boss sequences but, but in an the, adventure the, game. The stupid lava flow puzzle. Where it's constantly knocking out the path in front oh, of you. Oh, I hated that. See, I feel like so at that I was point, trying to solve that, and I thought it was going to come back, so I was just pacing back and forth, and then the whole thing went away, and then I died. You can die on the lava, lava path if you wait too long. The lava will go out from underneath. Oh you my goodness! I didn't. I never realized that's so scary. I never realized yes. you could die there. I always thought it was just going to well, cushion it, you. It cut off the path behind me, and I couldn't go back, so I just had to wait until everything <laughs> sank in the lava. <laughs> Anton is bad at Indiana Jones games. Wow, wow that's story. impressive. Um, no. What <laughs> I was I, what like, I, oh, I can die in this game because that was the first time it had happened. What I was gonna say uh, earlier was that I always forget that this game has a scoring system because yeah, they never show it on the. You have to push a button to go look at your score, so I always forget that it's there. And then when I get to the yes. end credits, it's like your score was da 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 da. I'm like, oh, cool! I didn't realize I was being rated. <laughs> yes, they're watching you, watching you very carefully. How many points did you? Get I got the full, the, the full score. I what didn't is any points? What's the max? I have no idea. I just remember it was 100% of the points. Okay, cool. I got 606. I was like, did I do it? I think it changes depending on which path you take, too. Oh, okay. That's true. Okay, so, next game. Next week. Next time. I'm calling it now Zach McCracken. I I vote Maniac Mansion. So, see, here's the thing. We've kind of roughly been uh, going chronologically through the LucasArts Mm -hmm. catalog. So the next one for us to review is Day of the Tentacle, if we continue on this path. But Day of the well, Tentacle... Hey, hey, wait. What? Oh, nothing. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Day of the Tentacle is a sequel to Maniac yes. Mansion. So if we're going to cover yes. Day of the Tentacle, we should go back and well, talk about... What if <laughs> we did Maniac Mansion, then Zack McCracken, then uh, Last Crusade? I'm going to be so miserable for those... Here's my thinking. If we go your path, do Maniac Mansion, then Day of the Tentacle, there isn't a really good transition back to the old games to go back for Zack and Kraken. Well, we can jump days. all over the place. We don't have to. Yeah, yeah that's fair. We're just doing it this way because for just because it's easier. You wanted to do Atlantis. Hey, I mean, we can skip. We can jump to something else if you want. We can. All right. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'm taking you up on that. All right, let's. Let's let's play the Strong Bad Rumisode one. Yeah, let's. Okay, no, no. Let's do Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. <laughs> really, you guys want to do that, that next? Game. Yeah, let's do it. No, because then we can. We'll get Alex on here. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it. It'll be fun. Are we gonna do it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So okay, <laughs> next are we playing okay. All, wait, all five episodes or just episode <laughs> no, one? For te- for Telltale, we should do the whole season as one coherent game. Okay, that's fair. Okay. So, Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. <laughs> you sound so hostile. You sound so hostile. I think, What's the I think deal? we just need to move forward to escape from Monkey Island. Oh, no, please. No, let's just... Okay, so this is <laughs> it after... It has to be done. Uh, after, okay, let's see. This is after a couple of seasons of Sam and Max, but before Tales of Monkey Island, when I would say Telltale was in the... 
uh, oh, before they went down their super serious M-rated stuff, this was still just fun <laughs> adventure games. And before yeah. they got well, weird. that's your opinion. Well, yeah. Now I'm just I'm just saying as a I'm fact they got extremely dark and serious, and that's awesome. But yeah, this I felt you like was one made. of their la- that and Tales of Monkey Island were their last sort of happy. Well, Back to the Future. Friendly. Oh yeah, I, I keep. Oh, it doesn't count because it has lots of glitches. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll get to that eventually. But no, so basically, a- I know you can get it on WiiWare and I think computer. Yeah, I was gonna right. say I, I'm checking Telltale's website. You can still buy it. Can you still we're buy WiiWare to- games on Wii U? Uh, they discontinued the Wii Shop, I think. No, you can still get it. Well, it's still there. Well, okay, they're not putting new content up, but you can still yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, so the Nintendo Wi-Fi is down, but the eShop, or the shop is still there. So you can yes, still you buy can. it on PC for, from, get tel- on your eBay box. from Telltale. Oh, well, yeah, you could do that. Or you could get on your computer that could play Strong Bad and buy a Wii and then download Strong Bad. Well, okay, you can yeah. do it that way, too. If you're that crazy about getting a Wii. Yeah. Yeah. So you listeners play along. Um, so we, I feel like we should vote. This is this is finally going to box Anton into our corner of responsibility. I'll vote Maniac what? Mansion. Anton. Oh, uh, no. Phil. Oh, no. Phil just but, voted Strong Bad. Anton, you have to be the tiebreaker. But we already did the segment. How to get the game? Gosh, golly, you gotta. I know, go. but I want to hmm. make Anton do at least one responsible thing. Oh no. Okay, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to say we should play Strong Bad and come back to Maniac Mansion. Yes. Okay. So there you go. Go to Strong Bad, then Maniac Mansion, then Zach McCracken. Then Dig. <laughs> then, <laughs> then the Dig. You're just picking all of my favorite adventure games. Zach McCracken, the Dig, Last oh Crusade. Oh my goodness. Can I, can I quit this podcast? <laughs> Out loud. <laughs> you guys get to continue Ellie's podcast by yourself. It's, the, it's Ellie's podcast. It's the Wikicast. Wikicast. Today we'll read a Wikipedia article. We should just read a walkthrough for these games for the second half of the show. Here's how you cheat. Use the key on the door, then click the top dialogue option. <laughs> okay, so I guess episode 5 of okay. the cast is going to be Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. That sounds SBCG good. SBCG4AP! I, 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 am, I, am uh, I am okay with this. Okay, so if you've played Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people, SBCG4AP! Uh, please send us your feedback if you mm-hmm. podcast it. Oh, man. Films. I think at, at, this, at this point, we've got enough clout. We've got like four episodes, right? We can get the Chapmans on the oh, yeah. episode. They're easy yeah, to reach. No, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, using my Homestar and Strong Bad voices during the podcast. You have to roleplay. Yeah, we have to roleplay. I take bubs. <sighs> Coachy, I'm looking Coachy, more and one, more two, forward, one, two. forward to this, this next episode. <laughs> forward, forward. Oh, no. I feel like... We need to pick mini adventure games and do one-off special episodes. We, we could do. We could just do a bunch of short mini mini sods for each episode of Strong Bad if you think that work out better. Uh, I was gonna say mini sods for stuff like the Danger Desk episode. Oh, like where it's not an actual game game. I don't know if there's that much to talk about. No, but I like that puzzle. It'd be a little five-minute. I'm sure jibber jabber about it. Everyone who's listening to this is enjoying the fact that we're leaving all of this random discussion in at the oh. end. Oh. Um, okay. Don't paint so, a yellow line down your neighbor's driveway. <laughs> so, do you, okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> so, back on topic. Maybe, maybe a danger desk episode in between, but the next full episode of Three Pcast is going to be Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. Yes. Yes. Stay tuned. Send us your feedback if if anyone's out there. To the land where the tropical breezes blow. 
Come to the coolest place I know. I know. The people are so great, but there's only me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's it. I don't think we have anything else. Yep, yep, going yep. On. And don't forget, you can I totally, can't pick that up. You can totally contact us via Facebook and Twitter and all those fun things. Oh, that too. And your if you're Gaddafi's wife, send Anton a Skype message. <laughs> no, not again. We didn't. We didn't. Uh, we have. We didn't tell Gaddafi's wife's story. No. We'll save maybe, that for next, next time. time. Tune in next okay, week to hear okay. about how Anton was contacted by Gaddafi's wife and offered the sum total of five million U.S. dollars. Well, <laughs> with a cliffhanger like company. that, you'll just have to tune in next week. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Or next two yeah. weeks. I will. I will read the entire email just okay. for you. Okay. Already, already. All right. So. Well, See you guys later. I'm Elliot. I'm Anton. And I'm Phil. This has been Threepcast. Bye. See you next time. Keep on adventuring. Ah! I was waiting for that. <laughs> it, had to, it had to happen. It had to happen.